Hey, this is Chelsea, and you're listening to the Foot of the Cross. This is a uh, part two of PTSD we were discussing yesterday about something that tragically happened to me when I was about 13 years old. And, um, well, I was exactly 13 years old. <laughs> and it was horrible. Um, a little girl ended up getting hit by a car in front of me. I was babysitting her and her brother at the time while their mother was at work. I was in Pensacola, Florida, and mom was gone, of course, and I'm walking them to the park, and I'm pretty sure where I left off was where, um, you know, these two boys were distracting me from four lanes away, and I didn't want them bothering the kids, and when they were going to walk over to us, I told the kids to stay there, to hold each other's hands. They were five, five and eight years old, and um, when I got across four lanes, that's when I heard the sound, and I turned around, and Christy had been thrown onto the grass about, you know, 12 to 15 feet, and she was laying on her back with blood coming out of her ears and her nose, and then, um, and this is just a quick review so that y'all can catch up with today's broadcast because I don't want people to listen and not understand, you know, what what in God's name is going on. But, yeah, so um, I was, Josh was the one, the brother, the eight-year-old, was the one that had to knock on the doors at the apartment complex nearby. Well, a football field away, if that's what you call nearby, and had them dial 911 because I went to complete shock and lost full memory of my name. Um, I had to keep being reminded of what was going on, and the cops were treating me like an actual suspect. When the news people got around me, they were asking me, did you push her because the driver had left. He was long gone, and um, we had no idea who he was. All I knew was that it was a black SUV. There was no cameras. And when we got to the hospital without any adults around, they illegally told me by myself that Christy had died and that actually she had died in my arms while I had my hand under her head. And... uh they just made me think that there was a chance so that I wouldn't trip out anymore, you know. And so they, I felt very lied to. That's what I remember. So anyway, uh, Gloria gets to the hospital. She's calling people, and that's the mom, of course. And as it turns out, she wasn't at work when we were almost to the park. Gloria had gotten home, and she saw that me and Josh and Christy were gone, and she figured that we had gone over to her mother's house just a couple of doors down. So she was actually making hamburgers for us when she got the worst call of her life. And uh, I'm going to fast forward even more, so... Here I am at my 
half-sister's house now, who I have not seen in forever. Because she also lived in Pensacola, Florida. And Gloria, when she talked to my mom, she just, I don't, I guess, at the time I felt like I was being kicked out because of what I had done. I mean, I blamed myself for years and years. Because Christy had died. Well, I was babysitting her, you know? A 13-year-old. Can you even imagine? And, um, well, I'm in this stranger's house because I did not grow up really knowing my half-sisters. I had two, Wendy and Kelly. And I was with Wendy, and where she took me was actually to her mom's house. So now I'm at my dad's ex-wife's house in Pensacola, Florida. Wendy didn't really say one word except for, I can't believe this happened, gave me one hug, and left me in a king-size bed in a guest room by myself to sleep. My parents picked me up the next morning from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where we live now, and, yeah, so from then on, I'm telling everybody I'm fine, you know? I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. How are you feeling today? I'm fine. And my dad loved my attitude so much about it that he said to my mom, she's going to get through this. I know she will. Because I hadn't cried yet. And they, they didn't know at the time that that was a bad thing. Because they were in somewhat of denial themselves about what was really going on with me. They wanted to believe and they needed to believe that I was going to be okay from all this. In fact, um, I didn't go to the funeral. And it's because my parents felt that it was best that I skip it. And uh, that was very hard because... In a way, and I didn't say this to anybody, but in a way I felt like I was uninvited to the funeral, I guess you could say. And so I thought for years to come that Gloria had asked my parents or told my parents to tell me, don't let Chelsea go to the funeral, please. And I didn't talk to Gloria for a very Long, long time. We're not talking about months here. We're talking about, you know, um, I don't think I talked to her again until I was 18 years old. And this was my mom's best friend in the world. And I felt like I had taken her daughter from her. The uh, repercussions from that incident everything that happened from there it was it just all led up to that moment and to put the icing on the cake okay i wanted to call my grandmother so bad we called her mima <laughs> 
my mom's parents were Mima and Papa Day. I wanted to call her so bad and tell her what happened and say, Mima, you know what? I'm not okay. I'm not okay, and I need someone to talk to. But she had died just a few months earlier. And it had not been that long at all. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all the actual reason now as to why I needed to get out of Tuscaloosa so bad in the first place. And why my mom thought it was a good idea to go and stay with Gloria. Because I wasn't moving in. It was a visit. It was a, it was going to be a week or two week visit. And like I said in my other episode, part one of PTSD was that the deal was if I'd come and watch the kids, Gloria would take me to the beach and we'd have a good time. I never got to go to the beach. And we, I did one thing, which is crazy, if you think about it, because this one thing could have actually saved Christy getting hit that day. And it doesn't make it anybody's fault. Um, actu well, actually, that's not true. I think I can say this without her getting too upset. My mom did blame Gloria for a while, actually, for this part. My best friend, Lacey Perry, lived in Robertsdale, which is right beside Gulf Shores and not very far from Pensacola at all. The drive was not long at all. And I wanted to see her one time. And I already knew that there was a chance of that. Well, Gloria had driven me to go and spend the day with her. And at the end of the day, I called Gloria on the cell phone and say, Listen, I haven't seen my best friend in two years since she's moved down here. All we've done is talk and write letters and stuff. I mean, Robertsdale is not that far from Tuscaloosa. You know, but it's a good three and a half hour drive, a little over, and um, they are they were a big family. I grew up with the Perrys. I loved them so much. I called Miss Perry, Mama. You know, she, they were a second family to me and my brother. And I called Gloria and asked her if I could stay the night and take a break from watching the kids, and uh, Gloria was very concerned because, you know, the Perrys were Christians and still are to this day, but at that time in their lives, you know, there was pot around marijuana, and, uh, you know, she had a huge problem with leaving me there. And 
my mom, we called my mom, and she goes, has your mom said yes? Of course you can stay the night with Lacey. And I'm like, who's going to say yes? I said, my mom already knows about the marijuana. It's okay. So she calls my mom, and my mom said, I don't like that they do it, but they're, they're our family. And Lacey is her best friend. Go ahead and let her stay the night. Well, Gloria came up with more and more reasons as to why I shouldn't and said, you can, you can have a couple hours more with her. So I did. We had fun that day. <laughs> we even uh, got to show me, you know, all of Robertsdale, and it, it was fun. But it was really hard for me to stay by the Lacey when I was getting the call of Gloria, and she acted like, you know, she, like she was hurt because I was staying with her, and here I am trying to go somewhere else, and I'm like, wait a second, you know, how are you getting on to a 13-year-old girl about wanting to stay the night with a friend? I think that part of her feelings were hurt because I came to see her and her family. However, I believe to this God, to this day, sorry, I believe to this day that God was the one that put it in mine and Lacey's mind to ask if I could stay the night because somebody would be alive today if that took place. And Gloria couldn't have known. So unlike my mom who did resent that for a little while, I can't. Um, the only person that I blamed was me. But, uh, so I go back, and it was the very next day. It was the very next day. I was bored, and I was still, you know, upset that I didn't get to stay the night with my friend. So when Josh and Christy's stepbrother, Eric, called and said, Look, I need to return these skates to Josh. Um, can you meet me halfway at the park? I mean, you can hang while the kids play. And I said, sure. And that's how Christy ended up getting hit by a car on the way because of those two boys that harassed us from four lanes away. Could I have made a different decision that day? Absolutely. I look back and I think, what could I have done differently? Well, first of all, I could have called Gloria and said, Gloria, how far is this park? And do you think it's a good idea that I walk them over there? I could have done that. But kids being kids, they were pretty convincing that their mother would be totally fine with it. And that every, anyone that's ever babysat them has taken them to the park at some point. And it turned out that that was true. But still, being that I was 13 and probably the youngest of all the other babysitters, I probably should have made that call. The second thing I could have done was not go across the four lanes at all. But the reason why I did, though, was because they were heading in our direction. 
I didn't know if these boys had weapons on them or what. They had wallet chains on. They were in all black. One of them had a Marilyn Manson t-shirt on. And, you know, they were typical boys that if I saw in a mall, I would have felt safer and probably would have said, hey, and actually would have admitted that one of them was cute. But I was in a situation that I couldn't go to an adult if there was a problem. Or if they wanted to touch me in a sexual way. There was nobody there to help. And the only thing on my mind was the children. I wanted to protect the children. And by trying to do so, a life was lost. When I had made it over, Josh said, he let go of his hand and said, There's no cars, Josh, come on. But because it was a four lane, the, uh, I mean, it was real close to the interstate, so the highway had a 55 or 60 mile speed limit. I can't remember which one, but this car was flying. And when I found out later on, I found out all the cars <laughs> on that road fly through. And I really wish that there had been some kind of locking thing, but there wasn't. There wasn't. And the direction I had to go in to talk to the boys, there was no sidewalk, but the side that we were on had a sidewalk. So where we were was completely safe as long as I stayed right there with the kids. But anyway. So that was the beginning of the rest of my life right there. It really was. I had been through something very traumatic for it. And we're taking a vacation to get out of Tuscaloosa to get away. There was um, a good bit of people talking about me. And my mom thought it was the best idea not to get me out of here. She was thinking of me. She wasn't caring about what anyone else thought, but she knew that I did care. And she wanted to cheer me up. But I mean, this was the third, you know that saying, bad things come in threes? Well, this time it really felt like that was true. Even though I'm a Christian and don't believe in stuff like that. This time I really felt like that was true. Um. I, uh, I ended up having sex with my brother's best friend, and even though it was consensual from me, it was rape. It was rape, and it happened under my parents' roof in my room while my brother was asleep and while my parents were out of town 
and I had stayed with my uncle the entire time up until the last two days because my parents said it was okay to go home and to invite a few friends over, and we didn't have a big party or anything. But my brother invited a couple of his friends, and I invited a couple of mine. And when the gathering died down, a couple of his friends stayed the night, and one of the main ones was his best friend. And he knocked on my door, and I do believe that he was under the influence of some type of medication. I was scared to say no in a lot of ways. I remember actually thinking that I was going to be made fun of if I didn't do it. The things that we think as young girls. But, um, see, I had actually been raped when I was 11 years old. And I had a huge crush on this guy. Not the one that raped me, of course, but my brother's best friend. I had a huge crush on him. I actually met him when I was 11. Because him and my brother went to school together. And because it was a private school, we all went to school together. You know, it was grade kindergarten to 12th grade in one school. And, uh... He knew it. He knew it. And instead of, you know, pushing me away and stuff, he would allow me to flirt. You know, because uh, by the time I was 12, um, he was, I mean, when I was 11, I guess he was 16, and when I was 13, he was 18. So, <laughs> so for two years, any time he came over, he would flirt with me, and at one point, he even gave me a foot massage. So, um, and my brother could tell that he would look at me every now and then, but he was getting used to that because me and my brother were six years apart, but in the future, you know, had it been in the future, age wouldn't have mattered. Six years apart, you know, if I was 16, it would have been, ooh, it would have been totally fine, but I was 13, 13 when we had sex. But in my mind, I was thinking, I've had a crush with this guy for two years, and the other guy, a black man who was 17 years old, was a senior in high school. He raped me. He raped me, and uh, he took something from me. In five minutes, he stole something from me. And I wanted to replace that with something good, with a good memory. <laughs> and believe it or not, it was Valentine's Day, 4 o'clock in the morning, when he came into my room and we had sex. And this is my brother's friend that I'm talking about now. So I made up this whole thing in my head that it was romantic and that it was sweet. But apparently, he was one of the most popular guys in Tuscaloosa at the time. And uh, when he told me not to tell anybody, I said, of course not. 
You know, of course I'm not going to tell anyone. Well, a couple of months had gone by, and there are rumors everywhere, um, you know, about them having stayed the night and stuff the same time as me, because people had noticed that he was flirting with me, but it wasn't rumors that anything actually happened. And then one day, my mom's doing the laundry, and she finds a note in my back pocket. And it was a poem that I had written about it. And his name wasn't on it, but she could totally tell who I was writing about. And when I tried to tell her it was a fantasy, she could tell in my eyes that it definitely was not a fantasy. My brother was so angry. Um, I'm not going to say what he did or what he didn't do. He didn't do anything to the guy physically. But mentally, yes. Because <laughs> the guy actually left town for a while. And the reason why my mom did not call the police and file rape and everything was because when he came back into town, he went straight to my mom and they had a very long talk and he apologized for everything that he had done and said how much he was so sorry and he said you know I was messed up and to me she was just another girl because and not just another girl like in a bad way but he was trying to say your daughter's beautiful and I liked her for a while and you know, he said, I wish she was older because I would I would date her. And he said, I am so sorry that I did this. And my parents took mercy on him. And they also did not want me to have to go to court and go through it because when word got out about us having sex, it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Everyone was calling me, the whore. Everyone. And he, I don't know how this got started. I don't know if the guy actually started it. But his ex-girlfriend, who over the years kept getting back with him, she didn't want to believe, I guess, that he wanted me. Because they were broken up at the time of the morning that we had sex, but not broken up for very long. So this story got, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't know who started it, but I know that she was one of the people saying it and enjoying saying it because they wanted to cover up for, for him and not be there for me, which hurt me very much because he, other people were, Yes, a couple of years younger, older than me, but not six years like my brother and stuff. And they were my friends, too. Me and my brother hung out with all the same people. So, for them to say it and or believe it when it was said was very hurtful. 
and it gave me a reputation for a long time that I did not want any part of. But the rumor was that I had stolen methadone from my mom before my parents went on vacation and shared it with the guy. And when he passed out after being messed up, he woke up with me on top of him. So the rumor was actually that I literally raped him and against his will. I mean, I'm not asking you to picture that, but think about it for a second and how ridiculous that sounds, okay? <laughs> I mean, oh my god. You know, it's so funny now because uh, this guy was pretty big. Uh, there's <laughs> oh man, I know that there are women out there that are rapists, but 99% of the time, it is a much, much younger boy, if you know what I mean. It's not a 13-year-old raping an 18-year-old hot-looking young man. <laughs> who's in a Christian high school with you. <laughs> That's, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and if it has, I, I, I want to meet the girl <laughs> that has some nerve to do it. Because, um, you know, if a man doesn't want to be raped, okay, at 18 years old, he's fixing to do something about it <laughs> physically to get you off of him. And... Uh, the rumor was he was so messed up he couldn't get me off of him. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, I was 90 pounds wet, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Soaking wet, 90 pounds. Give me a break. So, yeah. First, my grandmother died. Then, the right thing happened with my brother's best friend. And that is why my mom felt compelled and thought it was a good idea for me to take some time out away from Tuscaloosa for a while. And it seemed like a great idea. It really did. To get away. But I came home when I felt a murderer. So, a little bit of time goes by, and they still had not found the driver of the car that hit her. But as it turned out, he was actually at Chris's funeral, but nobody had even known that he was there. He found out when the service was and went. Which, you know, that sounds very realistic. You know what I mean? Because I can't, as I'm standing here, blame the guy for leaving the scene. Because just like me, what happened in that moment, we both felt like it was all our fault. And in that moment, our lives were taken away from us. And that's all there is to it. So, 
here I am, 13 years old, and already had enough happen to me. I mean, I grew up in a Christian family. My father's a life insurance salesman now for over 55 years. My mom, who is a life insurance salesman, that's how they met. You know, her, she's, she's a beautiful Christian woman, and I come from a great home. Did things happen in my family? Sure. But compared to a lot of people that I hung out with, we were the leading fever family. That's all there was to it. You know, my friend's parents were divorced or one of their parents was maybe a drug addict or a drunk. None of that was in my family. We lived in very nice homes and when I was 16, I, I got a new car, not an old one. So we were a little bit above middle class and we lived pretty decent growing up. So here I was and uh, the driver of the SUV called and either that or he went to the police station. I can't remember which. But he had to face, you know, the fines for leaving the scene of, the, of an accident because Gloria decided not to press charges on the guy or anything like that. Um, he uh, made a public apology to her and her family, and he paid the fines off and did his community service. And uh, I'm sure that there were some people who thought that he deserved a lot more, but trust me, he punished himself a lot more than Gloria could have ever punished him. Same, same goes for myself. I punished myself every single day. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror for a very long time. But uh, the guy that hit Christy in the SUV, if you can believe it, turned out to be my dad's brother. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> my dad's son-in-law. My half-sister Kelly married a, a man who was a helicopter pilot going back and forth in Iraq. They put a, got a house in California. See, my dad, he graduated from the University of Florida and was from Chicago. So that's how he met Betty and everything and married her. And my sister, Wendy, stayed in Pensacola. Kelly moved out of Florida to marry. And they got a house in California, her and my bro uh, brother. <laughs> and my brother-in-law, my dad's son-in-law, but anyway. Um, at the same time, I was vacationing down there to see Gloria. She was on a vacation with some buddies from California. And um, I 
I just mixed this up big time. It's a very, very big mix-up. So please forgive me. But it wasn't actually my brother-in-law. It was my brother-in-law's best friend, okay? Um, <laughs> because if it had been my brother-in-law, oh my gosh. It would have wrecked my half-sister's family up pretty bad for a while. But no, um, it was my brother-in-law's best friend. Sorry that I got confused. I haven't spoken about this in a long time, and I haven't had to. Because I am past it, and I have forgiven myself. It took years and years to do it. But I have. But this guy, though, while I was struggling, I never really had time to think about the driver. And when I found out that it was my brother-in-law's best friend, who was in Iraq with them at least three times, same, stayed in the same barracks and all that, you know, and on the same military base together, bunked together. That's buds, you know. He was vacationing in Florida at the same time I was. And he ended up dropping out of the military completely. He went to counseling for many, many years. And it took him a long time. There was rumors of drugs, but I'm not sure. I don't want to say something if it's not true. I'm trying to keep as many names as I can not involved, so... So now you know um, those three things, boom, 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 you know. So to explain one, I had to explain the other because it's like, okay, wh why did you have to get away so bad? Out of Tuscaloosa at 13 years old, what ran you off to your mom's best friend, you know. That doesn't happen often. But like I said, the deal was, was that I stay with her, watch her kids, and she takes me to the beach a couple of times. And I love the ocean. I loved it growing up. My plan and my dream from the time I was a little girl was to one day own one of those glass houses or something. Or even um, a shack. I would have accepted any kind of house on the beach. Um, in Florida, like Miami or Pensacola even, or in California, which is real far away from Alabama, but I didn't care. On a beach. <laughs> oh, Corpus Christi in Texas, uh, Myr Myrtle Beach in South Carolina, which I've, I've lived in Aiken and New Ellington, so, uh, but, you know, not on the beach anywhere. <laughs> Not with the ocean view yet. And I still hope to one day. That stays in my dream box. But uh, the topic, you guys, has been PTSD and how a lot of people in today's world, they say they have it. But very few actually do. 
and it's not a competition. It's not something I'm proud to say. It's embarrassing to have. And I said that I was okay and that I was fine. My parents chose not to put me in counseling and they blamed themselves for a long time. They keep saying to this day, we shouldn't have listened to you. You were too young to make those decisions for yourself at the time and we should have taken control and told you, Chelsea, you're going to counseling. And I agree, they should have. But I'm not gonna let my mom do that to herself anymore. I've told her over the years, Mom, you gotta stop beating yourself up. And I've gotta stop beating myself up. Life happens every day. And it doesn't just stop because one little girl got hit by a car. I can say that now. But even seven years ago, I couldn't. I couldn't just talk about it like it was an everyday thing. Because for me, that little girl was my whole world. And today, I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. And when I w was pregnant, before I knew the gender of my baby, I looked at my mom and said, what if it's a girl? And I cried and cried and cried. My mom said, I know, it's going to be great. And I said, no, mom, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she, she knew what it was right away. I was horrified to be a parent. I didn't think that I could have children for many reasons that I'm not going to go into today because I think that was covered enough. But I did not think that I could have children at all. And of course it was a girl. I was horrified. Absolutely horrified. First of all, I did not feel like I deserved her. I did not feel like I deserved to be her mother. And second, I mean, I did the whole leash thing. I, I always said I was never going to be one of those moms that put leashes on their wrist, you know. But I got the little puppy dog backpack with the cloth leash that wrapped around her wrist. And if she started walking away, it would yank her back to me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I kept my eyes on her and I remember telling mom, you know what my first goal is, don't you? And she said, well, of course, to be a good mom. And I'm like, no, <laughs> to get my daughter past the age of five. And she said, Chelsea, you've got to forget yourself. You're going to be a wonderful mom. Well, my daughter's 15 today, so obviously I got her past the age of five. But it was hard. It was real hard. And every time I looked at her, it made me think of Christy. And I actually went through some resentment towards my own daughter. 
and uh, there was some detachment when she was a baby. My mom had to really be there for me when she was a baby for me to be able to do it because I was uh, 18 years old when I got pregnant with her. And, you know, that's just five years later after it happened with Christy, which, trust me, is not long when it comes to an incident like that in somebody's life. And, I knew that I wasn't going to have the father in my life to help me. And I was still saying, by the way, that I was fine. Even when I married my husband a year later, I still said I was fine. PTSD came later, and that's why they call it PTSD. Post, post. Postpartum, you know, <laughs> there's post a lot of things, but post-traumatic stress. I was driving down the road one day when I was 16, and I just, the memories started all coming back to me about what happened that day, and uh, it almost caused me to have a wreck. So I was having actual visionary uh, flashbacks. Um, I start I started doing drugs. Uh, well, I started doing drugs even before 16, like pot, and I was doing ecstasy because it was a mega mood st stabilizer, and I didn't care even. If it was fake happy, I just wanted to feel something for a while because I was so numb. I was not there. And everything I did in front of my parents was a giant act. I had to be two people and sometimes three. One in front of my family, one in front of the church, another one with my friends, and another one of me when I was by myself alone, writing poetry, which I love to do very much. I wrote poetry before I could even talk, because I, or wrote anyway, because I would draw the pictures and tell my mom the story about what they meant and what was happening. Post-traumatic stress syndrome can be really rough, but you can get past it. I didn't get to counseling until 16 years old, and it was court-ordered because I was busted in a bar underage. But my mom saw it as a good thing, believe it or not, because she said it was a chance for me to actually get some real help. And that's when I found out that I was ADHD, borderline personality, post-traumatic stress syndrome. <laughs> and was suffering 
from major depression. I thought that I could go in there and act my way out of it, and they would release me. That's not exactly what happened. I had to finally start talking to her. And when I did, I couldn't shut up. I couldn't shut up. And when it was time for me to get off of probation, it was like, now what? Because I was not the type of person that could make myself go to counseling. I could tell all the time that all my parents wanted to hear that I was okay. But I told my, and I told myself when I was going counseling, I'm healed. But I wasn't. And there was a lot more to come. The night terrors, like we talked about. I was urinating in the bed from night terrors. I was screaming in my sleep. I was waking up with sweat all over the back of my shirt because I, I, think I really thought those dreams were so real. I really thought that I was in them. And I would wake up, you know, when you're half asleep and you still see the dream and you still think that you're there. That happened to me so many times. One of my biggest problems was that I did not go to God for answers. I was, I called myself a Christian. I was raised to be Christian, but I was not going to God between 13 and 16. I wasn't going to him about the rape. I wasn't going to him about having sex with my brother's best friend. And I did not go to God when Christy died while I was babysitting her. All that happened between 11 and 13. I had to go through the worst parts of PTSD to actually know what it what it was because even when my counselor explained it to me I was I didn't want to be told that I was crazy and I thought that's what was happening. So I was like, No I don't she said every time that she saw me I had a different hair color. Every time that she saw me I was dressed differently. And I said, So I like a little bit of everything, so what? And she was telling me, you're searching for yourself, Chelsea. Don't you see that? You're trying to figure out who you are from scratch. Because when that little girl died, your identity was taken from you. Just like my, your virginity, she said. It was stolen from you. Your childhood was stolen from you. And you are angry and don't even know it. I really wish that I listened. And that's why I'm telling you guys today, if something happens to you, you've got to go to someone and talk about it. 
and I do not suggest going to a worldly alternative counselor, counselor or to alternative medicine at all. Go to a Christian counselor and talk your brains out about it. But don't leave there speaking it up, speaking bad things upon yourself because the power of the word is very strong. It's like being scared of car accidents, for example. You know, if you fear it for so long and you say out loud, I know I'm going to have a car accident, it will happen. I believe in the power of words. It's right there in the Bible. Be careful what you say. Hold your tongue. What you believe in will come. And, you know, I think that the reason why I didn't go to God was because I blamed him more than anything. I blamed him. And the fact of it all is, is that this is not God's world. The minute that Adam and Eve sinned, it no longer belongs God. It belongs to Satan. It's why he had to send his only son here. Why? Mary got pregnant with Jesus and had to die on the cross at age 32 so that we can ask for forgiveness of our sins and live for all eternity in the kingdom of God. And if I had gone to him back then, instead of telling everybody I was okay, had I gone to a Christian counselor and not tried pills or self-medicate and do drugs, I would have had a totally different life today. I might have been a nurse or a doctor. I even actually tried very hard to go into nursing, but I ended up getting some charges. And because of that, it messed me up to be able to become a nurse. And I'm 34 years old today, and I am still trying to find something that I'm good at because uh, after my divorce um, that finally actually happened a couple years ago you know I mean we've been me and the kids we've been staying with my parents for some time now I had a place but I lost my car so I had to move back home again and it's been really difficult but not as difficult as things used to be because I have God in my life now. Father God, we don't have much time, but we love you and we thank you for this beautiful day. And I thank you, God, that whoever listens to this hears in my voice that there is hope, that I'm not just telling these stories for desperation, that I'm not telling these stories for my own counseling. I want people to see how I was able to get past these things. 
And that's why I'm not done with this subject. But Father God, be with us throughout this day. And may each of us have you on our minds at some point today. Let us all come to you. And seek your will, Father God. And I thank you, God, that the coronavirus is going, going, gone. And that the world will be back to normal very soon. So that people can have jobs again. And families can pay their bills again. And I thank you, God, that no one else gets sick from this horrible, horrible virus that is going around. We love you, Lord. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening for Foot of the Cross. We'll be talking more about PTSD on our next episode.